The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. As we read these verses from Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 17, I want you to take notice of the two completely contrasting lifestyles that Paul presents for us. And they, they'll jump off the page for you. You won't be able to miss them. But as I'm reading this lesson, I want you to be able to look at these completely contrasting lifestyles that are presented for us in the scriptures. So if you're here in the church, open up to page 8. In your bulletins, and if you're home at Zoom with us, I'm glad you're here with us. Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verses 5, verse, yeah, verses 5 to 17. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. In the movie Limitless, anyone ever seen that movie? It came out in 2011. The main actor, the main character, Eddie Mora, he takes an experimental drug that allows him to open up and unlock 100% of his mind. Now, whenever he takes his pill, he is able to remember everything he's ever said everything that he's ever heard, everything that he's ever seen in his life, and he's able to categorize it into, into these boxes. He's able to shuffle through it like a filing cabinet and remember absolutely everything. Now, when Eddie is on this pill, he is able to ascend to heights that 
people have never seen. He's able to rise the ranks in, up in his job and in the financial world. He has been able to unlock something that no human being has ever been able to do. But there's a catch. Whenever he's off of this pill or whenever the effects are gone from this pill, Eddie just goes back to the regular person that he was. This old, this lousy, degenerate, middle-of-the-line, low-level, low-tier employee that he was before. It was all an illusion based on what he was able to think of himself when he took this pill. It was always fake. What Paul does for us this morning is he sets us into a proper mindset of what we are. He presents for us two contrasting lifestyles that we just read. And together, what I want to be able to do for us is I want to be able to unlock this new mindset that we have according to the realm of the spirit that we live in. And I want to do that by showing you the old lifestyle and the old mindset that you had, then the new mindset that you have now. And I want to show you the radical implications that happen when we unlock this new mindset that we have in the realm of the spirit. But to be able to develop or think about a new mindset, we have to know something about the old mindset that we had, right? Now, here's what Paul says. This is your out of bed, no makeup on self that Paul says you are dead not look like death dead spiritually lifeless and this old mindset this mind that is governed by the flesh it is hostile it's selfish it's needy it constantly needs to prove itself to other people it constantly needs to have people validating it and you know what the funny thing is about this fleshly mindset is that it always leads to death. The thinking that we have about that we have about ourselves, the mindset that constantly wants to turn in on itself and wants to be able to find things out about itself and only thinks about things that can please itself, all of its own decision-making eventually is what leads it to die itself. It's hostile. It's irrational. It's unsubmissive. And the worst, it cannot please God. Now, what does that kind of lifestyle look like? How, are, how would you answer these questions? What are you doing after this? Not where are you going eternally, but what are you doing after the service? Are you going home, or do you have some other plans? Are you going to see what the guys or what the girls or what the group of friends are doing? What do you do to find entertainment in the evening? What do you do when you want to go out for dinner? What do you want life to be about? Do you want it to be able to be at the top, wrong of the ladder financially? Do you want it to be able to have a, like a little bit extra space in your apartment that you know is a bit too small, but if you could just have a little bit more, then you'd be someone? Is it, want, is it that you know so much about everything that you're able to show this information off to everyone else? All of these things, this is what King Solomon tried. If you've heard about him in the Bible, he was the wisest man in the earth. Take a look at his Goodreads page later online. He wrote a bunch of books. He was known as the most intelligent man. Read about him in the Bible. You can see all the things that he was able to accomplish. But what did he do? What did he think about? What did, what did he find when he decided to go chasing after all of these things? found that it was just a chasing of the wind. It's a mist. And it didn't take him anything to be able to unlock like any trauma that he had in the past. It wasn't some new, new thread of psychology that he found. All he had to do was he had to look at the mirror. 
look at himself in the mirror, look at the camera that he was pushing on himself and actually realize that the person that he wanted to glorify in his phone and in his picture and in his selfie was the reason that his, depra- his depraved nature was the reason that he was coming up short. Innocent. A spiritually lifeless life. But you, however, you are in the realm of the spirit. You are not in that realm of the flesh. You are dead, but you are alive. Those who have their minds set on the Spirit, think differently. Their lives are different. Their thoughts are governed by Christ. Their thoughts are governed by the Spirit. They do things that want to please God. They do things that want to honor God. They do things that want to trust in God as their Savior. They do things that show that they have faith in Christ Jesus as their Lord. They want to serve others. In the big things that they want to do, and even in the small things they want to do, they want to be able to give glory to God. Have you noticed something? These lives are completely opposed to each other. They're diametrically opposed. They're on the other side of the chasm. They aren't even able to recognize each other. But Paul's describing you. He's describing what you are, dead and alive. He's describing that old life, old life filled in the sinful nature that you are able to recognize, but he's also a, he's describing this life in the spirit that you also are able to recognize. He's describing your sinner and saintness. He's describing you as both a sinner and a saint. Now, this isn't a perfect analogy, but have any of you guys seen the TV show on Disney? It's called Hannah Montana. Any of you ever seen this? My wife is saying, yes, she has. (laughs) But the premise of the show is, is very simple. There's this girl, her name's Miley Cyrus, but she also has an alter ego. She is Hannah Montana. Now, Miley Cyrus is your regular teenage girl. I don't exactly remember what age she is, maybe like a freshman in high school. But she does things that a normal teenage girl does, and she lives a normal life. But on the other side of the coin, after she gets out of school, she has an alter ego. Her name's Hannah Montana. Changes into a wig. I think it's blonde. She's a sweet singing pop star who has fans all around the globe. But for some reason, the people in the show are not able to see that this is the same person. In the show, Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus, they're the same person, but they're different people. They have different realities. You're two people at once. In theology, we call it a term simul justus et peccator. Sinful person, sin sinner, but also a saint. And these things, they are at war with each other. They're always looking to get the upper hand. And one of them eventually has to win, the sinner or the saint. And one of them already has. You who are in the realm of the Spirit, the Spirit which has made you alive, the Spirit that occupies you, which the Spirit that was powerful enough to raise Christ Jesus from the dead, who has claimed you as his, has won. No doubt about it. And that can't be taken away from you. The sinful nature that you have inside of you is going to want to rear its ugly head and peek out in this new life that you have. So it has to be killed. It has to be suffocated. It has to be put to death. And the first way that you're able to do this is you have to know who your father is. Paul said it, that we are children of God. 
Paul says that the spirit we received in our baptism, when Christ justified us and brought us, has brought us to adoption, to sonship. Now, you know what happens when someone adopts someone, right? They receive the full legal rights as if they're a natural-born child of that family. What happens when you adopt a puppy from the kennel? You take that puppy into your family and they become yours. Do you know what it meant to be adopted when you were in Rome? It wasn't to change in nature. You didn't all of a sudden become a better person. But you inherited all of the legal rights, all of the status that came to be a person in that family. All of a sudden, your legal status had changed. An adopted child has all the same privileges and rights and powers that his or her parents had before. And that means the right to inherit when they die too. What does that mean for you? All of a sudden, you've gained rights that you have before. All of a sudden, you who are a sinner, living in this flesh-filled mindset, opposed, diametrically opposed to God, you, because of Christ, what he has done for you, you have gained the rights to inherit. Inherit eternal life with Christ. You've received the full rights as a son and a daughter of the king. That means access to the king. That means the ability to talk to him. That means eternity with God. That means your status is changed from condemned to die to justified to live. Embrace it. Because it's something that can never be taken away from you. You don't have to justify yourself anymore. God knows who you are. You're his child. In the movie Chariots of Fire, Harold is one of the sprinters who's training for the, for the competition that they're going for. And Harold comes up with this great line. He's talking about the race that he's about to run. He says, in about an hour, I'm going to look down the corridor, the alleyway on the track. It's about four feet wide. And I have 10 seconds to justify my entire existence before the world. Am I able to do it? All of his existence, all of his life, to him it came down to 10 seconds. His whole life was justified based on what he was able to do. Hard interval sessions, training sessions that lasted from morning to night, montages on the beach, 70-hour work weeks, constant one-upmanship. What it comes down to really is it comes down to how you identify yourself. God sees you as his child. That means you don't have to justify yourself anymore. You don't have to find your justification, how hard you work, what you do, where you live, what you want to be. God already knows. God knows who you are. So know what that brings. It means you're a co-heir with Christ. You have heaven. You have eternity to look forward to. You need nothing more. And as a child of God, you have gained access to be able to pray to your father. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this about kids. The kids do not care about what the situation or context is to be able to ask a question. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world, what situation it is. They see the perfect time to be able to question about whatever is on their mind. 
They don't need a reason or they don't need to raise their hand to be able to gain permission to talk to them. With God as your father, you've gained the ability to be able to talk to him about the good and the bad that's going on. You're an adopted child of God. And how much does God love his son? So much that he sent his only son into the world to die for you so that you can inherit this eternal life life with him. It's something that can never be taken away from you. You don't need to justify yourself anymore before him. He knows who you are. There's a famous picture out there. It's of President John F. Kennedy. And he's working at his desk in the Oval Office. But that's not the most important part about this picture. The most important part is John Kennedy. He's working at his desk. And underneath, in the gap in the desk in the Oval Office, is there's a child playing at his feet. I don't know what was going on through the mind of the child. but That child felt confident enough that he could play with his trains and with his toys at the feet of the sitting president of the United States of America. That's how confident and how comfortable he felt being in the presence of someone that powerful. Do you? You can. As a child of God, you can feel comfortable going before your God because you know who you are. You're a child. You're justified. The righteousness that Christ had is on you. You've gained eternal life. Take this mindset, this new mindset of knowing who you are as a child of God with the right to inherit eternal life, not governed by this sinful nature that constantly wants to rear its ugly head. But you who are in the realm of the Spirit, with the Spirit working in you, go and live this life now and forevermore. Amen.